So if it was vital to forgive ourselves, if it was a possibility, wouldn't it be there in scripture? And it's not, you can't find it anywhere in scripture that we are commanded to, to forgive ourselves. And it, it can actually be a lie that we believe that will distract us from what we really need, which is forgiveness in Christ and to lay hold of that and embrace it. Hey friends, welcome to the Hope and Help Project, the podcast that cultivates compassionate biblical conversations about life's challenging problems. I'm your host, Christine Chapel, and I'm so glad you're here to join in on today's conversation with author, speaker, and certified biblical counselor, Camille Cates. Today we'll be talking about the topic of post-abortion trauma, unpacking some of the difficult emotional and spiritual battles that arise in abortion's wake, and how the gospel of Jesus Christ offers real hope and help for those who seek to heal. If this is your first time listening to the show, be sure to learn more about the Hope and Help Project by visiting faithfulsparrow.com forward slash project. The link is posted in the show description, and by visiting that page, you can learn all about the mission of the podcast. Before we get started, let me introduce you to our guest. Camille Cates is the Assistant Director for Healing Hearts Ministries and has co-authored a Bible study for young women titled First Love, Embracing a Love That Lasts, and one for young men entitled The Fight of Your Life, Living for God's Glory. In 2015, she completed her Biblical Counseling Certification through the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, Camille's powerful personal testimony, recounting the tragic sexual assault and murder of her infant daughter, as well as the abortion of her unborn child, reaches out to those who are desperately seeking hope and healing from their own personal tragedies. She and her husband, Troy, have three children and reside in the Cincinnati, Ohio metro area. Hey, Camille, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me, Christine. You are the Assistant Director for Healing Hearts Ministries International, an organization that provides biblical counsel and discipleship to individuals who suffer emotionally and spiritually from the pain, trauma, and affliction of their past. And what I found on the website said that approximately 50% of Healing Hearts clients suffer from post-abortion trauma. Would you tell us a little bit about how you got connected with Healing Hearts Ministries and your own personal experience with post-abortion trauma? I would love to do that, Christine, and I'll try and keep my story brief, but I actually grew up in the church. Uh, I became a follower of Christ when I was 12 at a church camp, and um, I do have an abortion in my past. My abortion happened as a Christian young woman, and a lot of people have asked me over the years, are you sure that you were a Christian? Are you sure you were a follower of Christ? And I just remember at the age of 12, coming to know the Lord and having a love for him and a desire to worship him. And I knew that I was a sinner and I knew that I needed a savior and and Jesus was the savior that God has provided for us. And so even though I came to know him, I went back to, to my church home and home life. And I always say that I felt like I never had any discipleship after that. So I was really immature in the Lord. I didn't grow other than being in the church when the doors were open. It was like information was hitting me, but it wasn't hitting my heart. And so I just kind of went through life as a young woman, as a teenager in high school. And 
Um, I, I was boy crazy from the time I was little, so it wasn't too surprising to my parents that I became sexually active at a very young age at 15 and then became pregnant. And I actually have two crisis pregnancies in my past, in my story. And uh, the first pregnancy that I came up with, I, I was almost 17 years old. And I remember at that time, my parents coming to me and saying, Camille, do you want to have an abortion? And I was shocked because these were my Christian parents. But, you know, when we're not grounded in God's word and we're not living under the authority and the promises of God's word um, to help us in times of suffering, sometimes suffering at the consequences of our own sin or the, the sin of others or just our fallen world, we will make decisions based on our own ideas and the own uh, our own idols of our hearts. So you know, we really lived under the fear of that. But I remember telling my parents when they came and asked me if I wanted to have an abortion at that time, I said, no, I, I don't want to do that. Um, I knew that the Bible said that abortion was wrong. But anyway, they, they were gracious and supported me and um, said, well, we're going to help you finish high school. And so I did. I graduated early. I, I always felt like I was kind of a statistic and that the young man uh, left the relationship. He didn't want anything to do with either one, either one of us. So anyway, I, I kind of ambled along in life. Uh, I dropped out of church for a while after I um, became pregnant with my daughter, but then before she was born, somebody from church came and said, you know, where are you? We love you. We want you to be there. And I think that's a great encouragement to um, those who want to reach out to women, young women who are struggling in their sinful lifestyles. Go go pursue them in love. Um, you'll find some of them coming back. I did. came back to the church. But my heart hadn't changed, and I kept seeking those um, relationships. I ended up having a daughter. And... Uh, her name is Lauren, and I started uh, college two weeks after she was born. My mom was definitely determined that I continue my education, and so um, I did. But my, you know, my heart was still wrestling. I was still looking for a relationship. I didn't realize till later that relationships were a huge idol, something that I, I pursued and exalted above God in my life. And so I just began looking for another relationship. And now I wanted a, a father figure for my daughter as well. And so not being discipled since my choice to have sex outside of marriage, not being discipled to have a godly relationship with what that looked like, I just began pursuing any relationship. And you can find them. They're easy um, to get into, but uh, godly ones you have to really work at. And so um, I got involved with another young man. I became pregnant again. And this time um, abortion was on my radar because my thinking began to change because my circumstance changed, although God and his word had not changed. I just began wrestling with all these questions in my head. How are we going to support two babies? What are we going to do? And um, unfortunately, we didn't kind of get to uh, making a godly decision together because I experienced another traumatic event in my life. And the young man who I had become pregnant by ended up um, sexually assaulting and shaking my daughter to death. And so here I was, my world comes crashing down. If it wasn't in a tailspin before, it certainly was now. And I just began that, what we call in biblical counseling, that downward spiral. So my daughter was gone. Um, this young man uh, obviously was in, in legal trouble and um, had committed a criminal act. And so my parents came to me because they found out I was pregnant again and said, you know, Camille, we really think you should have an abortion this time. 
And I really wrestled with that for several days with the Lord and just um, in my own mind kind of came up with this deal with God, like, God, you're going to make this okay somehow. And so anyway, I um, believed that lie and acted upon that lie and pursued an abortion and had an abortion. So after that, for the next couple of years, I mean, I just kind of gave myself over to whatever. I just, I, I wasn't lost spiritually, but in my life, I was completely lost. And I think that speaks to a lot of young women who have come to know the Lord, but haven't been discipled well. And they're, you know, they're just kind of living with one foot in the world and one foot in the church and trying to grapple with life. And that's kind of where I was. So the Lord was really gracious to me. At one point, he brought a young, godly man into my life, a guy that I had grown up in church with, who had just graduated from seminary, and he pursued me in a godly way, and we ended up getting married. And there was some comfort in that because he knew my past, and he actually had told me he he knew about my abortion. And that was such a picture of Christ to me because he had saved himself sexually until we got married. And... Here I was with a sexual past, but he loved me and he wanted to be with me anyway. And that's such a picture of Christ. He knows our sinful hearts. He knows how depraved we are, but he loves us and he wants us to be with him anyway. And so my life slowly began to change. I began to be discipled with the Lord and obviously serving alongside of him. He was in youth ministry at the time. and But I always lived with this fear of people finding out about my abortion, especially people at church. And so I can relate to the post-abortive woman sitting in the pew thinking, oh my gosh, if anybody found out, how would they treat me? How would they view me? And in this case, we were serving together in ministry and I thought, oh my gosh, she's going to lose this job if anybody ever finds out. So it just was something that stayed hidden for several years, but was really wreaking havoc in our marriage because I lived under this fear like many post-abortive women do that God's going to punish me and not let me have any other children. So that became an idol in my heart, and it just drove me to drive him crazy, um, basically saying, I want a, I want another baby. I want another baby. God, again, stepped in and was very gracious. And about three years into our ministry together, I ended up going to a women's conference with a group of church ladies, and Healing Hearts was there, and they had a booth. And I, I thank the Lord now that nobody was there. I think I would have been too shy to go up and grab literature at a booth um, that was for post-abortion ministry. So I thought I would think who would see me from my church. So I grabbed the literature and it just struck my heart that this is what the Lord had for me. I needed to address the abortion in my past. Even though I knew Jesus had forgiven me, I had not experienced his healing according to his word. And so there were a lot of issues, wrong thinking, um, wrong desires in my heart that had not been addressed with God's word. So I went through their Bible study called Binding Up the Brokenhearted for Post-Abortive Women, and God radically, radically impacted my life through that study and grew me up very quickly and gave me a love for his word. When I got done with that Bible study, it was so intensive and so in-depth. And so saturated with scripture, I thought, what else does this book have on life and godliness? And it does. That's what scripture says. It has everything that we need for life and godliness through God. So that that's how I got involved with the ministry. That was 20 years ago. Uh, and I volunteered with them as a biblical counselor and now serve on staff as the assistant director. 
abortion really is a heartbreaking reality in the world that we live in. And as much as conversations surrounding the issue can quickly become political, especially in what is going on in our news cycles Mm -hmm. today, I really want to focus today's energy on the woman who has elected to have an abortion and she is deeply regretting her decision. From your own personal experience and from the experience of working with the clients of Healing Hearts, could you help us better understand what it's like to grapple with post-abortive trauma? What kinds of emotional or spiritual pains are common to experience after going forward with a decision to end a child's life? I'd be glad to share. And I, I think a lot of those, the, you know, the emotional and the spiritual kind of wrapped up in each other. And I think that's what's hard sometimes as, as biblical counselors, you know, we want to help people untangle those emotions and the desires and the wrong thinking that they have and um, help them to um, grow spiritually by lining those up with God's word. So some of the emotional and spiritual struggles that post-abortive women have is um, that they can be really numb. You know, they just, the emotions can be so intense that they, they're coping um, by just trying to wall off any emotions. So there's a lot of numbness or they, you know, they just kind of have put their abortion in a closet way back in the back of their mind and tried not to deal with it. There's guilt and shame because of sin. It is sin. And so that, that is a real emotion and sense of uh, guilt for that sin before the Lord. There's depression. There can be depression, despair, outbursts of crying, you know, because of the emotions being so intense and not knowing how to deal with them. Anger is a huge emotion that we experience. There are a lot of people that are sometimes involved in an abortion experience. And if, if the woman was pressured or how she was treated at an abortion clinic Um, All of those things can evoke anger, and sometimes that's righteous anger, and our Bible study goes through helping a woman discern, is this righteous anger or unrighteous anger that I'm experiencing, and to biblically know the difference. They can be either extremely promiscuous, or it can cause devastation later in sexual intimacy and marriage, so I kind of always say you can swing one way or the other in the area of sexuality because uh, abortion has been tied up most of the time to sexual sin. Not always, sometimes it happens in marriage, but a lot of times people, uh, women were not married when they had their abortion. An intense desire to be pregnant again, like I I expressed earlier, just a self-loathing. Some people call that self-hatred, but the Bible really calls it self-loathing. Suicidal urges or tendencies drug and alcohol abuse, uh, nightmares, eating disorders, how we view our body um, because of the sin that we've we've done with our body and difficulty bonding with your children or like I said, in marriage, it can really um, wreak havoc. So those are just some of the, the things that post-abortive women can experience after having an abortion. I'd like to see if you would help us unpack a little bit. You know, you mentioned about your family's role in your decision to whether, you know, whether or not you were going to have an abortion with with your two babies. And I wondered if you could help us understand, you know, what role do family and friends play in ministering to a woman who is facing the emotional and spiritual ramifications of her decision to have an abortion? Yeah, I think family and friends can actually who who love the Lord and are committed um, to what his word says about life can really play a, a vital role in her life. I always say to offer an open invitation to talk. We often make opportunity with our kids. I have three, one young adult uh, and two teenagers. And we always 
make an open invitation. You guys, we've got to talk about these topics that have traditionally been taboo, um, that the church hasn't spoken on much and, and open that up. So we always tell them, you know, you guys, if you're struggling in an area of sexuality, I don't, whether it's same sex attraction or it's you know, transgenderism, any of those topics that they're wrestling with, we want you to come to us. We want you without fear or hesitation to come and have a conversation and just to be transparent and honest with us. So I think talking about that, whether it's in your small group at church that you say, you know, I just, I know that this topic is hitting in the media and it's become a political issue, but I know that there are real women who are really dealing with this. And I just want you to know I'm a safe place if you need help, if you need somebody to talk to, if you want to share something that you've never shared with anybody before. And so I think having those open invitations to talk and have conversations are great um, with friends and family. I would agree that that is definitely just a really compassionate way of of reaching out to people because at the end of the day, whether you choose to move forward on this um, procedure or not, it's tearing you up inside, (laughs) you know, especially if you're a Christian, you know, maybe not everyone gets tore up inside initially. I know that you guys have found in Healing Hearts Ministries that even if the the, the shame, the guilt, the, the feelings, the anger, the trauma may not make itself manifested right after the procedure, but maybe even years down the road, then some of these feelings and sentiments start coming up out of nowhere, it seems like. And it's because there's real things that need to be wrestled with and real sins that need to be confessed and real healing that needs to be pursued. And maybe even real savior that needs to be reached out to because they haven't known Christ yet to that point. And so I am thankful, thankful, at least that healing hearts ministries and more and more churches, I think, uh, slowly but surely, are creating safe places for these types of conversations to take place. No matter the depths of our sins, guilt can often become an overwhelming sensation when we know that we've done something against God's commands. Not only can we sometimes doubt God's forgiveness is really available to us, but we can also adopt the belief that we must learn to forgive ourselves. I hear that a lot. I just, I I know God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. You and I know that self-forgiveness is not a biblical concept, but I can understand why someone might interpret their intense feelings of guilt in that particular way. How do you go about helping your clients lay hold of the realities of forgiveness in Jesus Christ as it is extended to their willing decision to have an abortion? How can someone best manage those overwhelming feelings of guilt when they arise? Self-forgiveness is a a topic that comes up in every single, um, we we facilitate our Bible study in groups and also one-on-one. It comes up every single time, Christine, because it's been um, such a a unbiblical mindset of the church. For a long time, you hear in Christian music, you you hear um, popular authors or, or pastors preach on it and it's it's not biblical. And so, I mean, one thing that we walk through in scripture is just that Christ is sufficient. He shed his blood for us. We didn't shed our own blood so that sins can be forgiven. And I believe it's, it's Hebrews 9.22 that says, and according to the law, one may almost say all things are cleansed with blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And so, you know, we'll, we'll discuss this. We, we go through um, a whole chapter in our Bible study on forgiveness and talk about the myth of self-forgiveness and why it's not biblical. And women still seem to grapple with it. And one thing that I encourage with them with is what does scripture not say? Because sometimes that's important too. How many times does scripture tell us to forgive other people? 
tons, right? I mean, all the time we're commanded to forgive others um, as the Lord has forgiven us. How many times in scripture are we commanded to forgive ourselves? Not once, never. So if it was vital to forgive ourselves, if it was a possibility, wouldn't it be there in scripture? And it's not, you can't find it anywhere in scripture that we are commanded to, to forgive ourselves. And it, it can actually be a lie that we believe that will distract us from what we really need, which is forgiveness in Christ and to lay hold of that and embrace it. And I think one of the other things that really stands in the way, you know, women deeply, deeply regret their abortions if they're a Christian. They have conviction over that. And even when we work through that, we can still have godly sorrow, but we can allow that to swing over into worldly sorrow if we're not taking our thoughts captive and renewing them. And, you know, the Bible talks about uh, a time in, in the Old Testament where there was self-loathing. It talks about how they loathed themselves. The people had actually committed idolatry. If you, if you look in that passage, it's connected to idolatry. And so a lot of times women will have confessed the act of abortion before the Lord, but they've never gotten down to the heart of it and the idolatry behind why they made that simple choice. And we help them walk through that in the Bible study to find um, hope and forgiveness in Christ and in Christ alone so that they can be rid of the self-loathing and the condemnation. And we know that Romans tells us there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when I'm talking to a woman who's a believer who's holding on to this issue of self-forgiveness um, for her abortion, it, it's usually because she's still holding on to condemnation. And so I'll, I'll tell her, you know, that no condemnation, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus includes self-condemnation. We are not to condemn ourselves. Christ came to save us, not to condemn us. So those, those are just some of the encouragements um, that I will give women who are grappling still with the the wrong thinking that they need to somehow forgive themselves they can't now those are really good points and it's important to remember too that you know we can talk about these types of issues in a matter of five minutes and people can listen and think that oh well you know now it's just a matter of flipping some switches and i won't feel this way i can feel this new way now and everything will be fine and really a big part of this process i think from what i've heard from you and what i've read there's grief involved too um yes. you know there, what you said the godly grief the godly sorrow and so it takes time to process these things. And I just applaud the women who have gone through post-abortive trauma and have sought help. What courage it takes to, to volunteer yourself to say, I want to have open heart surgery, basically. Right. Um, and without any anesthesia, sometimes it feels like when God That's is working right. on our hearts, it takes a lot of uh, bravery and just spirit empowered strength to, to show up to do that hard heart work. But it leads to healing. That is the path. It's the hard path, but it's the right path to really put down those those shackles of self-forgiveness and condemnation and embrace the, the healing that Christ can offer us through the cross and through his gospel. Women facing the after effects of their decision 
to abort may sometimes attempt to cope with their pains in unbiblical ways, maybe by not trying to think about it, maybe by having another baby at a later time, like you mentioned, taking drugs, drinking alcohol, you know, therapy, medication, all of these coping mechanisms. But why do you think that ultimately these coping mechanisms fall short at the end of the day? How does Jesus Christ alone offer the post-abortive woman peace and hope? Well, it's interesting, Christine, because that whole list that you just mentioned of ways that we try to cope, almost every single one of them involves numbing the mind or distracting the mind in order to cope. And God doesn't want us to cope. He wants to save us and sanctify us um, by his word. And so the hope that he offers is lasting. I love the attributes of God. I, I feel like when we struggle as believers, it's because there is some part of him that we do not know well enough that he is calling to, he's reaching to us in our pain, in our suffering, even suffering from our own sins that we have chosen. And he's saying, come, come to me. I want you to know me. I want you to know me deeper in this way. And that is what gives us the hope to carry on that we're not coping or ambling on through life, but we're actually, the Bible calls us to run. You know, and a lot of times I'll use the analogy and say, you know, I talk to church leaders, I'll say, you guys, we have a lot of people in our church, even in church leadership that are limping because they they have this thing in their past, whether it's abortion or something else, and they're just kind of limping along because they've never been healed. And so once they're healed, they can run, they can run the race with perseverance. And there's hope in that uh, versus like I said, just ambling along. So Christ is sufficient because of who he is, but we won't know who he is unless we get into his word, which tells us who he is, that we can hang on to those promises and truth of who he is. How difficult is it for women to get to the point where they can really trust their secret to their church community? And what can we as a church do better to minister to those who are afraid to come forward for care? I, I would say it's extremely, extremely difficult for women to um, trust that secret to the church community. And uh, that seems uh, foreign to us, but we've got to think about what are the conversations that we're having in church when we talk about pro-life issues? You know, we know that, and, and not that we shouldn't talk about pro-life issues because our God is pro-life and we should uphold what he upholds. But at the same time, what's the flavor of your conversation? As you're talking about that, is it full of a lot of truth, but lacking a lot of grace? Um, then, then there are other churches where it's all grace and no, you know, very little truth. Mm. You know, a lot of times when women will share, if they do share the, the the topic of abortion comes up, people will just be quick to the to the jump and say, "God forgives you." Well, that's great and that's true, but if I haven't been faced with a loving truth that abortion is sin, I'm not going to see my need for forgiveness. On the flip side, you know, I can't believe what these women do. They murder their babies. It's murder. It's so wrong. God hates it. That's true. All of that is true. But if there's no grace, if there's no understanding of a sinner who's, you know, gripped in their, their sin and the shame of their past, and grace isn't offered, they're going to they're gonna keep hiding what has happened in their past, and they're not going to come forward with it. You know, I think that, like I said before, the church can be working on holding a good balance of both truth and grace in their conversations on this topic. You know, when they present a truth, it needs to be spoken in love, or the Bible says we're a noisy gong, 
people shut their ears, they don't want to hear it, or they're not balanced enough in in grace. And so, uh, you know, they need to hold that balance of truth and grace because Jesus is full of truth and grace, and we're supposed to be like our Savior. Yeah, for some reason, the word that comes up as I was listening to you talk was just cultivating an invitation, an invitational atmosphere in our church to have these conversations. You know, I think when we offer, we offer truth without grace or we offer grace without truth, we're not really inviting people to Jesus. We're inviting him to maybe, or we're inviting them to maybe one aspect of, of the gospel, but not to the full gospel. And I just think of when we're dealing with really difficult, you know, topics to talk about, whether it's abortion, homosexuality, adultery, whatever it is, being a place where we can invite people to come out of the shadows because God calls us from the darkness into his light. He doesn't demand us, you know, he, he, it's an invitation. It's a gospel hospitality. I think it's something that I hope we will work better on as a church community. Just like you said, being more aware of the types of language that we're using when we talk about this issue, but then also supplementing that too with creating an environment, a small group, any kind of, (laughs) any kind of conversational atmosphere where people can come forward and, and share their story and share their grief so that we as a church can enter into their grief with them. Um, And that may mean, you know, helping someone to receive Jesus as Lord. It may mean helping someone to move forward in repentance. It may mean, you know, moving it towards a discipleship relationship. But every step of the way, I think, you know, having that invitation is really important. Absolutely. Do the women you care for, or perhaps even you, oftentimes think about their aborted child and wonder if they might ever get the chance to see them again. How do you address this kind of a longing with the women that you care for? Oh, yes, it comes up uh, all the time. And we, we actually address this longing biblically. We do it in our study. We see places in scripture that seem to indicate that if we are in Christ, we will be united with Christ and then with those uh, children someday together. And I, and I love that picture of being able to you know, worship the Savior around the throne um, because of his redemptive work. And I know that John MacArthur has a great book that goes in depth through uh, various scriptures as well. Uh, It's called Safe in the Arms of God, Truth from Heaven about the Death of a Child. And it's, it's just a great biblically focused book on that topic. But I, I think that God's word gives us hope in that area. And um, so we really encourage uh, women with that uh, biblical hope that we see from the scriptures. Well, it's obvious that God's word plays a critical role in helping women face the adverse emotional reactions to their abortion. When you help women through counseling and Bible studies, what are some of the general gospel themes you concentrate on in order to help them take small steps towards healing in Christ? Well, we walk through a really powerful chapter in our Bible studies that focuses on the events before, during, and after Christ's crucifixion. It's so powerful and really pauses and places to help the the uh, participant reflect on what Christ was going through at the time, like the betrayal of his friends, the separation that he had from the father, that feeling of loneliness. And um, so they're interwoven with some commentary of really powerful Jesus understands what we're going through statements so they can see Christ's suffering and his atonement for those who put their trust in him. Uh, We walk through the nature of God 
Um, most people, well, we all, we all do to a certain degree. We're, we're learning and being sanctified if we're in Christ and we're growing, but we all have wrong thinking of God. We've made our own image of him and his word, the Bible is what straightens out or corrects that thinking. And so we took one of those is the nature of God. Who is he? He's holy. He's a holy God. He has no sin. He cannot tolerate sin. And so that's a really important doctrine that we need to understand. And then um, the nature of man, that we are depraved and that we're sinners and that there's no one good. And I think for the post-abortive woman, that's really important because they think they've committed the unpardonable sin. Mm. They think that they've committed the worst sin. And the Bible says there's no one righteous, not one. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We all need Christ. We all need his redemption. So we all stand in need. We all stand in e- at even footing um, at the at the foot of the cross. So understanding those truths and the gospel and our need for um, a holy God to save depraved sinners and that he sent his own son to do that on our behalf, if we put our trust in him, that helps us to know without a doubt that we can believe that Christ is offering us forgiveness through himself, through what he did. Uh, on behalf of sinners. I'd like to offer the post-abortive woman who is listening today some practical action steps she can put into play when she's done listening to this episode. Can you offer some practical steps for attending to her spiritual needs during this season of healing, as well as some practical steps for attending to her physical needs? Absolutely. I love practicality. So (laughs) I'm a practical girl. I love just things that we need to do. do, I love being a doer of the word, but that's what he says to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer only. So I think so much of the problems that we're facing now um, that are bombarding us and distracting us from God's word is screen time. So less screen time, more Jesus time. So we need to be in the word Sometimes I fall to this default, my, you know, I'm in the word, but it's on my phone. Mm-hmm. Like I just even need to get off the screen um, because it's just such a temptation and, and just to open those real paper pages and get into the word and, and read and, and prayer. I think too, in our culture, we're so busy. Um, and because now we have that screen time, we have information coming at us all the time. As long as we're looking at something and reading, there's information that's flowing to us nonstop and it's hard to process. So I think solitude with the Lord, spending that time, whether it's going for a walk and being surrounded by God's creation, you know, getting out. Sometimes I can get so when I'm at the, in the screen in my office, it feels like the walls are closing in sometimes. So it's just good to get out and, and look up and look at the, the sky and think about our creator God and, and all that he's created around us because it evokes big God thoughts. I love that the word says to hide his word in our hearts that we might not sin against him. I cannot encourage women enough to be in the word, not just reading it, not just your five minute blip and then check off the box, I'm gone for the day, but hiding it in our hearts that we might not sin against God. Because when you go out and you have those walks or you sit out on the porch and you're thinking those big God thoughts, the Holy Spirit's really good to bring out those hidden places in, in, in your heart that you've hidden scripture to remind you to speak to you afresh. And those those are the times that we need practical things that we need to do. So less screen time, being in the word, being out in fresh air and in God's creation. And so, you know, physical, physical needs, sleep. We need sleep. 
you know, turn off your phone, grab a book, grab a good Christian book, a good Christian read, and, you know, spend that time getting good sleep, going to rest with a rested and refreshed mind, not a mind that's been scrolling on a screen for the last 30 minutes. Um, That doesn't typically make for good rest. So we need that rest. We need that refreshment. I also think reaching out to an older in Christ sister, someone who has been walking with the Lord longer than we have. We need their prayers. We need to pray with them. We need encouragement. We need to encourage them. We need to be rubbing rubbing our lives together with other believers who are going to encourage us, especially sisters in Christ, and that there's accountability. You know, I have tried to walk with my sisters in Christ with um, total transparency and, and inviting them Like, I need you ladies to talk to me, to speak into my life. When you see me in sin, don't shy away. Don't be afraid to speak up. And we need to give that invitation to um, sisters in Christ to speak the truth and love into one another's lives so that we can grow in Christ. Those are really great practical steps. So thank you so much for sharing that with us today. I want to close out the show by having you do something that every guest on the show gets the opportunity to do, which is to talk directly to the listener. There may be someone listening to this episode who currently experiences the effects of post-abortive trauma. Maybe they had an abortion years ago and they deeply mourn over their decision. Perhaps they recently had an abortion, but they were confused and scared and felt pressured to do it. and they just can't seem to escape the overwhelming grief that is pressing down upon them. What would you have to say to that sorrowing woman to give her the courage to break her silence and to seek Christ and his body for help and healing? I just want to encourage you, sister, that, you know, God is the God of hope. And when we are weighed down by our past, and either sins undealt with or places in our heart that we just haven't worked through with him, uh, we're not going to be experiencing that hope and that joy. It's a real joy robber. And so I want to encourage you to seek the Lord and to seek out. I'm so thankful um, the the women in our ministry who walk alongside others in our post-abortion arm of the ministry, they themselves are post-abortive. So uh, I think that is helpful. It's not essential, but it's helpful um, to have a woman walking beside you who's walked in similar shoes, who understands similar thoughts, wrong thinking uh, that we experience. And uh, I just want to encourage you most of all with the word because it's, it's powerful. It's what impacts us. And so listen to Psalm 32, 1 through 7. I think it will encourage you to reach out and get the help and hope that Christ offers you through his word and walking alongside with another sister through this time. It says, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and whose spirit is no deceit. So that's that bringing it um, out into the light. We're not hiding it anymore. We're bringing it out before the Lord. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Scripture tells us when we keep silent, when we hide these things, it it has an effect on us, on our very being. Verse 7 says, For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Verse 5 then says, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. 
Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of many waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. And I, I also like James 5, 16, because, the, you know, this passage that I just read in Psalm 32 talks about being honest before the Lord with the sins of our past and bringing them to him that we can find a hope and healing. But the word also encourages us to bring into the light those things with other believers. So James 5:16 says, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So I just want to encourage you, sister, this time, if the, the media and things that are coming up in conversations prick or pierce your heart every time and and there's a rub there. There's a maybe it's a, even a, a, a bigger pain than that. It's time. It's time to get healing with the Lord through His Word, and um, we're here to help come, walk alongside you in that. Very graceful words, graceful, full of truth and love. And so, I'm thank you for, thank you for sharing those comforts and encouragements with us today. If someone who is listening is so compelled to want to take their next step toward hope and healing. Where can they connect with you and Healing Hearts Ministries? Can you provide some options that are available to the listeners through online mediums? Absolutely. So we actually have our Bible study online um, as well as in print. Um, We have trained leaders that facilitate those because we want to make sure they are well-equipped to walk alongside fellow sufferers. So anybody can go on our website, healinghearts.org and click on the Get Help Now tab. And we have uh, three different adult Bible studies, a post-abortion study for women, one for men, who would have thought men are involved and are affected by the sin of abortion too, but they are. So we also have male counselors uh, willing to walk alongside a, a man who's been involved or affected by an abortion. And then we have um, just a regular intensive Bible study. We use it a lot to counsel past sexual abuse or domestic violence or other afflictions called the hem of his garment. And you'll, um, you can sign up for one of those online and you get paired up with a trained uh, counselor to walk alongside you, to be praying with you and helping you apply the word to your life. Or you can, um, there's a section on the website as well, where you can check and see if there's a local leader in your area who can work with you one-on-one or even maybe a group that's starting up to uh, join in with fellow believers. So well, those sound like really wonderful options for for someone who is interested. And I love that, you know, you guys put forth the time and effort to make those resources available to anyone online instead of the restrictions of sometimes meeting face-to-face can have, especially if there's job interference or child care right. interference. So the online study offers much more flexibility. Well, Camille, I'm so thankful that you decided to share your story with us, um, but to also share your 20 years worth of experience in not only walking through healing with Christ, but also helping others to do the same. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Christine. Thanks for having me. Thanks for all you do. Before we let you go, I'd like to remind you to visit faithfulsparrow.com forward slash project. There you can check out the show notes from today's episode, complete with links to Camille's books, resources, and ministry website. If you enjoyed today's conversation, I would be so thankful if you left a review for the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Be sure to subscribe to be notified when new weekly episodes release. Also, please don't keep the Hope and Help Project a secret. If you know someone who could be encouraged by listening to this episode, please do them a favor by sharing it. 
One more thing, if you're looking for gospel hope and help for life's challenging problems, visit faithfulsparrow.com forward slash email. I send my email subscribers weekly biblical counseling resources on rotating topics. From videos, audios, articles, and recommended reading, these emails are designed to equip you to discover gospel hope and help in your own life. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. Be sure to join us next time on the Hope and Help Project. 